USB microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced, it cannot be stopped, and it is the only free voice left in the geek revolution. Welcome to another episode of We Be Geeks. I'm Brett, and we have Derek and Mike as well. And we also have a special guest, Meredith Finch. How are you? Hi, everybody. Thanks Yay! for having me. <laughs> She's uh, here to promote her uh, new comic from Image uh, called Rose. I guess uh, we'll start with uh, learning a little bit about that. If you can give us a little rundown of it. Um, Rose is something that Dave and I had been talking about even before I got the gig to write Wonder Woman. Um, even before really I started writing comics, we talked about, I, I've always thought I would write a book. And so this has been a project that, um, is very dear to my heart and something that I, I've been invested in for a very long period of time. And, uh, I think coming off Wonder Woman, it was the perfect project because I had the experience of writing a really strong powerful female character and knowing the things that I really loved about that and working within a constrained universe and the things that sort of the restrictions that I I was looking forward to being free from doing a creator own project yeah I'm sure with Wonder Woman you probably had to to stay within the guidelines of, of Wonder Woman and with the editorial and things like that. There's 46 years of history with Wonder Woman. Yes. So, yeah, more than that, actually. I think it's 60 years of history because I think she was in the 40s. So, yeah, there was a lot of history and a lot of really iconic writers have written Wonder Woman. And, I mean, comment, when Dave and I came on to Wonder Woman, we came after Cliff Chang and... Um, Brian Azarello. Yes, thank you. Yes. It's, it's past my bedtime here. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an award-winning run that it was it was very stressful. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of nice to, to come on to something that it was just mine from the beginning. And I was creating, although I didn't realize at the time just how much world building you have to do before you can even really start your issue one. There's so much. You really have to set your parameters and know what you can and can't do before you even start writing that first issue. Yeah, I guess with Wonder Woman, you already have the pre-existing DC universe and Gotham and and all those other cities and everything like that. So definitely having your own world to build would definitely be pretty daunting. So this is more of a passion project for you then? It really is. And I was very, very fortunate to get an amazing artist on it, Iguara, who has worked on um, some Batman stuff for DC. He's worked on Blue Beetle. He, He is. I... Really, when I I got it, I didn't realize just the lineage of comic books that he had behind him. Um, He had also done Wolverine with X-23 that he was finishing up before he came on to Rose. I just really loved his characterization and the way he was able to put so much emotion in the face. Mm -hmm. And, And that, for me, was what drew me right from the beginning to his samples. And then from the moment he started drawing the project and started drawing Rose and and bringing life to all these characters that I described and putting his spin on them. It just, I I couldn't imagine the book now without him. And then once we got the colorist, it just, who is Triona Farrell, 
it just took the book to a whole nother level. And, and Dave and I talk about it, and I think it's even exceeded his expectations in terms of, of what he was expecting for the project, because it is, it's an image book and is a creator-owned project, and we're funding it all ourselves. And those projects tend to have a stigma about them, I think, and th- that maybe the art isn't quite as good or it's a little different. And, and mm-hmm. I feel like this is a book that really can compete from a visual perspective with any comic book that's out there. It just is, in my opinion, a visual masterpiece. And that was one of the things with the book that was very important to me, I think, because I live with an artist. I understand how important art is to a comic book, maybe in a different way than a writer who doesn't live with an artist would. And I think sometimes we forget that comics are first and foremost a visual medium. And if you're not putting out something that you can look at and appeals to you visually, then what's the point? If I wanted to just write a story, I could go write a novel. I want to write a comic. I want to write something that is not just intellectually appealing, but visually appealing as well. And I feel like we really, really succeeded with this book. And that's what I um, like about Image nowadays, because I know when they first came out, it was all like the big splash with McFarlane and Liefeld and all the bombastic yeah. art and everything. And they didn't really kind of have the story to go along with the art. But now they've uh, they've definitely upped their game with the, the writers as well, with Kirkman and yourself and, and um, with the saga and comics like that. Yeah, it's, I, I feel like we're really getting into Image at a really great time right now that they're going to we're going to see a resurgence of of comics that are really not just writer focused but art artist focused as well and i think image is a really good place for that especially when you see i mean i love the i love dc but when you see sort of what they're doing with their double shipping the artists almost become replaceable and even dave finds that cuz he can only do an artist can only do so many comics in a month they can do one if they're really fast and at that point, you're making the artist not as important as a writer. And I feel like that is a miss when it comes to comics, because comics, first and foremost, have always been about the art. They were selling when the stories were crap because they were so visually exciting. And, and yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm happy to be at a place where we can get back to that, where now we don't just have great stories, but we also have great art to go along with that. Agreed. It's like to paraphrase Spider-Man, with great stories comes great responsibility. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, to have them look as great as the story is. It's why Scott Snyder and Greg Pulo worked so well together as a team, because Mm -hmm. Greg's art is so phenomenal. Oh, definitely. Scott is such a great storyteller. You have to have that. If you don't... If you don't have that combination or a meaning of equals, I think that your story can only ever go so far. Right. And not only that, but I think I think like in that example, Greg Capullo's art really um, really fit in well with the type of stories that Snyder was telling. Mm-hmm. That is so important, and I think that. Also, the thing that I really found we've done with Rose, that the combination of Egg and Triona has created this... Triona colors in a very different way than um, your typical comic book, which is very saturated colors. Rose has almost a, a pastel kind of effect, which gives, because it's a feminine character, it works really well, but it also really opens up the artwork, and it, it just... 
I don't like I every page I look at I'm just like it's so pretty I don't even want to put words on because <laughs> it just looks beautiful and I know Dave has said to me you know when he first I first started doing it, he's like you know Meredith I I think it looks really great but I don't know if it's a comic that I would personally read and I'm like well give me some time like just come come, come on this journey with me and, and have some faith and and he was reading through issues two and three for me because he's always my final editor and he put down issue two and three and he's like I'm going to steal stuff from Egg. He's like the whole, it, he, just the way he does his hands and the way he does his faces. He's like the way he does his capes. He said, I just, I didn't think at first that I would read this as an artist and look at the art because he's always looking at the art. He doesn't care about the story, but he's like the combination of the two is just, he's like, I just can't help it. I just, I, I can't help reading it. It's drawing me in. I'm really enjoying the book. And Dave is very picky. So I feel like if I can get him to enjoy what I'm doing and, and get behind it, not just because I'm his wife, because he's my harshest, he's my harshest critic, um, mm-hmm. then I feel like we're putting out something that is going to appeal to a broad base of fans. Going back to what you were um, saying about the weekly comics, I think that's kind of, um, there was a Batman series that they had re- released that came out like weekly or biweekly, and it had different artists, and it was so uneven from week to week of what you were reading that was just really hard to, to read sometimes because the, the art wasn't consistent. I remember reading comics as a child, and when I read comics as a child, I was reading like my parents' cast-off comics that my grandparents had, or then again, brought like the Archie comics. And even with the Archie comics, as a, as a child, I recognized the fact that sometimes there was an Archie comic that I really enjoyed reading because I really liked the art and the way that the characters were depicted. And other times, I didn't really enjoy it as much because I didn't like the way the characters were drawn. And it felt mm-hmm. off for me. And I feel like th- there's a, a relationship that fans have with a character and an expectation that the character will look a certain way. And it's very difficult and I think it can be very jarring from a, from a, an emotional point of view if the character and, and the look and the feel of your character is always changing. Right. It's a contract. It's like a social contract between the character and the, and the reader. And, 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 and I think that gets messed up when you're constantly changing the thing that's, in my mind, most important about the book, which is the way it looks. Mm-hmm. And I uh, grew up reading comics like uh, the Teen Titans with Perez and Wolfman were on there forever and and uh, X-Men with Chris Claremont and he was on there forever. And now it's just like nowadays you, if they have an artist or a writer on for like 10 issues or so, it's, it seems like a long time. It seems like they're always changing things up, especially after the the new 52, everything yeah. got shaken up like that with the, with the Rebirth stuff. Yeah, it, it just seems like, you know, people aren't on books long term anymore. Well, um, I think it's really difficult now when comic book companies have committed to, to, to monthly publishing. So part of the thing with the new 52, if, if we look back on that, was that they decided that it was going to come out basically from hell or high water on a monthly basis. And that was a commitment that Dan DiDio made to the fans saying that you won't have to wait three months for a comic to come out. Because before that, that's what was happening. I remember when Dave was on Moon Knight, Moon Knight didn't come out every month. It came out when Dave finished drawing it. So maybe issue four came out two months after issue three because that he took 
five weeks instead of four weeks or, or, or he took more time to draw. And, and you don't see that when it's put together in those big trade paperbacks that George Brez had. And I mean, early, early on with comics, I think they were coming out because they were newsstand things. But sort of during that mm-hmm. 80s period and in, 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 even in Images' heyday, books weren't coming out monthly. We, the time was given for the artist to do their thing. And now it's about the, it's sort of the monthly, meeting that monthly quota. And you do lose something when you're doing that. It's it's quantity over quality. Well, that's why I like um, like books like Saga and some of the Image books. They'll do they'll do a, a story arc and then take a little break to work on the next arc, and then that will come out. They'll take another break. That's not a bad idea, I think. Well, and that's sort of how we've approached this our story with Rose. Um, and, I, and it was something that I talked to Image about was, you know, before they would even solicit, I had to have so many issues in the can. And then how can we build in time if we fall behind? So the first six issues will come out and then there'll be a month break and then the trade will come out and then there'll be a month break and then the next six issues will come out. So you're you get that six issue chunk. But there is also that time because I would at this point, I could not put that book out without my team, without Ig and Triona. It would not be Rose the comic. And Image, when I talked to Image about it, they 100% agree. They would rather take the month and a little extra time and have the consistency of the artist on it versus putting out the book just to put it out. So they really have that emphasis on putting out a quality product, which I really appreciate. I love that approach, having keeping that consistency with the same team yeah. for everything, too. Yeah. So, so it sounds like with with Image, they're they're asking for you to do six issues at a time before you hit that month break. That way, they've got time during that possible month break to do the trade paperback. Well, I think if I had, if I had wanted to do the trade right after the six issues, like there is some leeway into how much time I wanted to allocate. But again, I think because I'm the wife of an artist, I understand that artists have lives over and above drawing a comic, and it takes a lot of creative energy to put yourself on the page every single day if you if if so for example dave works a page a day if he's in a really good groove but that's 20 days of the week and then he doesn't always get that so then he's working weekends and maybe that page takes from nine o'clock in the morning till two o'clock that next morning to get that done so it takes a lot of emotional energy it takes a lot of physical energy to get that page finished and i wanted to make sure that i'm not burning out my artist so it was important to me that i incorporate a little extra time and i felt like people can wait a month for the trade they're okay with that if they know it's coming out and they can wait another month for the next arc because they've got the trade or they're invested in it they know it's coming they know that when it comes out there's going to be six issues that they're going to get on a monthly basis and i think that that fans are okay with that contract when they know they're again they know they're going to get a consistent product and, and I want my artist to be able to say, hey, I took Christmas instead of I can't tell you how many Christmases Dave has been like down in the basement working or, or you know what I mean? So I want yeah. him to have that. I want him to be able to take a vacation and not feel guilty that he was able to take a week off and spend or spend time with his family. So so that's for me, it's a reasonable trade off to make sure that I have an artist who enjoys working on the book as much as I do. So. So I want to ask, based on what what you're talking about, um, 
and having that knowledge of what an artist goes through, uh, you yourself as a writer, do you think it, it, it is rough on the industry to try and be pushing um, a monthly issue when I know like with Marvel recently, there there's some books that, that aren't hitting deadlines right away and end up being two, three, sometimes four weeks late. Would it, would it be would it be more realistic to say, you know, expect the book every six weeks instead of every four? Uh, I don't think it's I here's what I would say. I think you could say that that might be more realistic, but I also think those days are done because DC is not just DC anymore. DC is owned by Warner Brothers and Marvel is not just Marvel anymore. Marvel is owned by Disney. So when you start getting these comic book companies owned by huge corporations that really they're there to milk the comics, if they can get them out, great. But they have a bottom line that now those publishers need to hit. And, and I think that, unfortunately, it's one of those situations that the bigger you get, the less important the people who actually made the industry what it, what it is become. So I do think that it, it's, <coughs> it would be nice in an ideal world for a comic to be published on a monthly basis and have the same artist do it month after month. But it's, it's a grind on an artist to do that. So are you as a fan, I guess the question is, are fans willing to wait a couple of months to have a consistent artist? I think, um, me as a fan, yes. Um, and I run two other shows, uh, and Derek's with me on one of the other shows. Um, the one show, I, the other show, the third show I do is based all around Marvel. And we, we talked about, um, we would be picking like C3PO, the one shot that ended up being almost four months late. And from what I had heard behind the scenes, a lot of that was because of the artist that there was, he was so slammed with so much other stuff. Projects were just falling behind everywhere. And, and the book lost its relevance because it didn't come out and coincide with Rogue One like it was supposed to. So I would rather see a book, even if it was two months before or, yeah. or a two month. Okay, Rose number one comes out now. Two months from now, we see Rose number two. If I'm getting a consistency with the artist along with the story being written, I'd much rather have that than have it feel like and look like it, it was rushed. Right. And I think well, – oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say not only that, but – with the, with the books that do that, that take like the little break, when they come back, it's like it's kind of like a nice little bonus. Like, oh, all right, one of my favorite books is back. I, I've been missing it. Yeah, I think for me, it would um, if we actually knew the schedule that it would be out on. But I mean, when books like, especially like with Marvel, was like been really bad about it with like secret with uh, their major crossovers are like push back and push back and push back and people are wondering when this is going to come out and all the other comics are moving on with past where the event is and it just kind of gets lost in the yeah. in the shuffle there. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I do think there there has to be a fine line between how much time you can put between issues before like you say they lose the relevancy and and I think you no know, maybe waiting 6 weeks or, or 2 months between issues isn't such a bad thing. I think 4 months pushes it. And there maybe needs to be a point at which the company goes back and says, maybe this isn't this isn't working. We should, but it's hard because now they've solicited the artist on the book and sales are. So you know, I don't relish the job of being a publisher, but I, I I'm not convinced right now that the industry is working the way it should be for the artists, the writers, or the fans. Uh, definitely. Let me. 
let me ask another question then. Um, I want to say I might have heard this from uh, reported on Facebook or even a couple other new, um, comic or pop culture related sites that might have come from uh, possibly Jimmy Palmiotti. The idea of titles being quarterly and being a thicker book and more yeah. and yeah. and be released more like a a book one so it does get a better a better binding. A even slightly better paper, a better treatment, yeah. and, and not just looked at as a, a rag magazine that you just pick up, read, and throw away. Yes, that was Jimmy. I saw that on Facebook from Jimmy. And and I do think it's a nice idea. And I, I and again, when we talk about what's an ideal world, I think that would work really nicely if, if an artist had time to, say, draw all six issues, and then the issue was put out as like a little trade. And that's the only way it came out. But the fact of the matter is that when you see books that are selling 100,000 copies and they're selling them every two weeks, DC's not going to do that and Marvel's not going to do that. So, you know, it's one of those things where I think it can work for a special project. But the way comics are being published now, I don't see it happening, unfortunately. It's more of a French sort of style of publishing, right? In France, they put out just books. That's a comic comes out in like a big, oversized, hardcover version. That's sort of how the European comics look. But we, the American comic market is so different. And I, I think it would be very difficult to change when we're 70 years into it. Okay. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying about the European. Um my parents go to Germany every year for, for a conference my dad goes to. And every year they go, they go, what would you want? Well, this year I asked, no, I want, you know, being the Star Wars fan I am, I want something Star Wars book or magazine-wise from over there. So they bring back a German um, Star Wars comic book. And I noticed, I'm like, wow, cover doesn't match the number here because this is from an earlier book here but it's a or it's a from a later book here but it's an early book on this and then that's when i saw oh this has got more pages to it they must be taking two or three issues and combining them into one issue over there yeah and And they do that with in spain i think they did that with our one woman arc it was like three issues per book kind of thing so yeah i I kind of like that idea. I, I would I would pay the little extra to get to get a thicker book and get get the now if it's five bucks for a thicker book I'll pay the five bucks for the thicker book. Um, yeah. I, I I think the pricing's getting to be um, a little a little up there when especially with Marvel when they can't when it's hard to get the book actually out to to the folks. All right. I think my for me in terms of pricing where I really have I take issue and I totally understand why they do it, but it's where in order for you to completely understand your story, you have to buy another book. So it might be following Batgirl, but suddenly something happens in Batgirl and the only way I can find out what happens in Batgirl is by buying Birds of Prey. Oh and yeah. That yeah. for me is where like I'm kind of like I understand what the, what they're doing from a marketing trying to push the book point of view but as a fan when I only have so much money every month on comics it, that's tough and that feels a little I feel like crossover should should not be story dependent you, they should be fun so that if I want to buy it I can but my story shouldn't for me to have a complete story it shouldn't have to get the second book right right and then especially like if if 
if you, like at my comic store, if I subscribe to Batgirl, but I don't subscribe to Birds of Prey, then when it switches over to Birds of Prey, I gotta hunt down that issue and make sure I, sometimes I miss them. And yeah. Yeah. Maybe they don't stock it. That kind of, yeah. Right. Getting uh, back to Rose, I saw your uh, cat uh, behind you earlier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I know that uh, cats play a pretty big part in uh, in the Rose story as well. Getting going in with that, I guess, without spoiling too much of it. They do. I, I knew when I, when I originally talked about doing Rose, the idea I had in my head, um, because I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan, was the story A Horse and His Boy. And um, as I was sort of starting to develop and, and get into the, the field of how it was going to work, I realized a horse, I mean, girls and horses have been done, first girls and horses have been done before, but a horse also doesn't have the same sort of like intelligence and aloofness and, and, and mystery that a cat does. And I really liked that. And I come from a, a multiple generations of cat lovers and thought, you know, this is this is a really great way to to, to incorporate something that that's very meaningful within my family. We, we love cats, but then do it in a way that's really cool and and superheroish, which is why we have them. Um, and, and I'm not giving anything away, but because if you've seen the promo art, you know this is not a lap cat. This is a, a monster, almost prehistoric looking beast that balances out, and I think it balances out really nicely. The, the softness and the femininity of the heroine Rose with this sort of um, animalistic ferocity, um, this untamed of this untamed beast and having the cat. So it worked out really nicely for the story. Ig is genius when it comes to drawing this cat and, and uh, really drawing any of his characters. I posted something on Instagram, um, which was a picture of a horse that he had drawn in one of the scenes. The horse is for one of the bad guys. And even the horse has a sneer on his face so he just has he has such a great way of of imbibing character and emotion into everything he's drawing into into all the faces and and uh and i'm really glad that it worked out as well as it did i feel like it just it ended up being having a really synergistic effect and uh sometimes good things just come and and i feel like this is the situation with that with rose and the cat how did uh, you get uh, hooked up with uh, Egg? I um, we went to Brazil a few years ago, and I, and we were talking to Joe Prado, and I found out he had a studio. Like I knew Joe had always inked um, Ivan Rice, so we knew Joe that way. <coughs> what I didn't know was that he represents a bunch of artists. So last year when we were in Detroit, I approached him. I think we were just talking, and I'm like, "Oh, hey, Joe. By the way, I have a project coming up." And I was specifically looking for somebody who was different than David artistically because I worked with Dave on Wonder Woman and then I had um, Miguel Mendonca who I worked with on Little Mermaid and Wonder Woman and his style is is very similar to Dave. So I, I really wanted somebody who was very different so I could really set myself and establish myself in a different sphere from David and, and, and make that break. And he's like, oh yeah, I've got a bunch of guys. I'll send you a bunch of samples. And I also approached um, David Macho from Spain because I know that he has a bunch of, of artists that he represents and, and um, Miguel's rap, I approached him and so I had I was very lucky, I had really an overwhelming number of incredibly talented artists to choose from and it was just something about the samples that it gave me in those faces that just drew me in and I said to Dave, this is the guy this is who's going to do my book That's awesome 
I love his uh, work on uh, the new Wolverine, too. That's probably one of my favorite Marvel comics out. I love X-23 as a Wolverine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He does a really nice job with female characters because that was also a big thing for me, too. It has to be somebody, a female character who can draw women. And yeah, he's just the the more I see, the bigger the fan I am. And and I know that Dave is a huge fan of his now as well. Dave keeps saying he's going to blow up on this, Meredith. He's going to blow up. I'm like, well, I hope he doesn't blow up too big because right. I want him to stay in my book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the bigger he blows up, the bigger your book will blow up. So hopefully it'll get some good synergy. Well, and again, I keep saying this, and I I don't think I can understate it, that having a visually beautiful book was was my one of my biggest priorities. I mean, I can only do what I can do with the writing, and I kind of take myself out of that. But the things that I have control of sort of outside of my own what I'm doing, I just wanted to make sure that I'm putting 100% into everything we're doing, and that includes the art that people are going to get to see. So, And I feel like I won the lottery. Like, really, even Joe said to me, seeing Triona's Colors on Egg, he said, I have never seen his art look better. So... It's great. I can't wait. So it comes out in uh, April 12th. 12th. Yep. yep. Nice. And then every month after that for six months. <laughs> great. I will have to this. sign up for a subscription at my comic store. You will. Yes. And yes. I, you'll have to check my Twitter feed today because Image posted an image. They're doing those blind boxes for their 25th anniversary. The oh, variant. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I posted an image on my Twitter of one of the sketch covers that Egg did because he did 25. And I have everyone was more beautiful than the next. And there's one on my Twitter. There's one on my it's the same one on my Instagram. They're all he did full color Copics in on all of them. They're just breathtaking. Like you want to get your comic book store to get these blind like order your comics so they can you can get one of these blind boxes and get one of these bags because the sketch covers are stunning. Mm-hmm. So is that uh, Drusilla, the one that you have on your Twitter feed? That is Drusilla. Uh, she is like so much fun. I love her. She looks great. It's good to be bad. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> So the first time I actually met you guys was uh, you and David were at uh, the Motor City Comic Con last year, and uh, you, your table was like crammed. <laughs> so are you guys going to be doing the the uh, cons again this year for uh, promoting Rose? Definitely, although not as many. I'm not doing as many as Dave is, just because we do still have children, mm-hmm. and I can only impose on family members so many times to babysit for me. So I send Dave away more than I do, but I might send him with Rose stuff too. He's He's got his own cover that he did, so I'll send him out with some rose covers, and we'll see what we can do. But yeah, I felt sorry for the uh, the guy next to you, the table next to you, because you guys were like packed, and they were like he had to bring over the con people to like get the people over in front of your guys' I, I table. I line management. I do my best. Yep. But having you both, because you were, it was right during your uh, Wonder Woman time, so you guys were, were huge. So everybody, and you guys were so gracious. I mean, people were coming there with long boxes, entire runs of comics, and you guys were just signing them all. So that was uh, definitely appreciated, for, I'm sure, for the, the folks there. Well, I'm always happy to do it. I know the thing that always slows stuff down is Dave's sketches. So. 
I'm like, I can sign my name in 10 seconds, but you can't do that for a sketch. Nope. Yeah, I got a great uh, Batman print. I know I've posted it on Twitter and stuff from him, okay. uh, signed yep. by him. It's, uh, it's gorgeous. I'm very lucky. Married mm-hmm. to one of the, the best artists in the business. Yeah, I'm sure he, uh, so is that one of his uh, <clears throat> bucket list things to draw Batman? It definitely was. It was the it was the sole reason he left Marvel to come over to DC was to do Batman. So and he has never gone back to a book after he left it. And Batman obviously is the exception to that because um, he's back with Tom King. He did issues one through five and now he's doing 16 through 20. So that's cool. They're a match made in heaven. He does those shadows so well. Mm-hmm. And Batman well. just really works, right? So. Oh, yeah. He's great yeah. on Batman. Yeah, it's a, definitely where his wheelhouse is. <laughs> Yeah, you guys are uh, one of the power couples, you and uh, DeConnick and our fraction and the Finches. <laughs> well, don't forget Jimmy and Amanda. Oh, that's true. Yes, so, friends yeah. of the show. Yeah. yeah, they're good people. So are you going to be, or do you not have, uh, going to be at Motor City or you don't have that planned out yet? I don't. As of right now, we're not booked to go to Motor City. Okay. Um, I don't even know when it is, which is bad because it's, you know, so close. Yeah, it's amazing. Distance wise. Um, yeah. But I don't think we're, we're going to that one because we have a two-week one booked right at the end of april in oh. australia so we're going oh, to be nice supernova con and i think after two weeks of convention then we might we might need a bit of a break yeah hopefully dave you don't get any uh con dave crud down there catch up. dave might need to catch up yeah that's those like artists taking time <laughs> off you need to build it into the schedule moments yeah two weeks wow yeah. So you mentioned uh, David wanting to do Batman. Uh, what about you? Is there any uh, any characters that you'd love to write that you haven't had a chance to yet? You know, before I started Rose, I would have had a list of characters for you. Like, I really wanted to do more with Catwoman because I only did that one election night, one shot with her. Um, oh, yeah. And I had uh, a story idea for Batgirl. But I have to say... I am really loving right now the freedom of having my own character and having my my own creative voice without sort of needing to fit into the mold of what's already been established or what's expected right. for something. And I don't know if I would ever go back. Um, I might go the Robert Kirkman route and just keep doing <laughs> doing creator own projects. Um, you know, I think as a writer, as long as you're doing something that's true to yourself, I, I've talked about even writing a book, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm loving Rose. I'm loving what I'm doing with it. I have some other ideas that Dave and I have talked about. Maybe someday in the future, we'll do a creator own project together. Um, yeah, I just want to explore sort of the freedom of telling my own ideas and and see where that takes me. And then if there's a character that I go back into to sort of mainstream comics, I always say, though, and I, I think I've been pretty honest with this, even when I first started writing Wonder Woman, the reason Wonder Woman appealed to me so much is because I come from a fantasy background. That's really has always been my first love was fantasy fiction. Nice. And and this feels writing Rose and, and being at Image and have and this feels right in that wheelhouse. Wonder Woman I love because she had that Greek mythology and even though she's a superhero, she's not really a superhero in the sense that I, we focused more on, on on the mythology part of it and, and the relationship part of it. So so that I feel like with Rose, I'm just I'm, I'm right in my my niche and I'm just doing exactly what I knew I always wanted to do and telling the story I always knew I wanted to tell. So, so do you, ride that train to the end of the track. <laughs> 
Do you have an extended plan for Rose then? Or? That was one of the things. It's funny. When I Dave and I started, I said to him, I felt writing Wonder Woman very constrained by the six issue story arc. Uh, feeling like I just got started in the story and then, oh my gosh, now I'm at issue five and I have to wrap everything up really quickly in like an issue and a half or two issues. And and so I really wanted to just let Rose's story develop in a way that was very natural to me and natural to the character. So I don't, I don't have a long range plan. I mean, I think if you look at a lot of fantasy fiction stories, you look at the Robert Jordan or George R.R. R. Martin, they're not one novel. Like as they, their worlds and the more you tell the more people you get exposed to the more opens up directions for your stories to go and I could see you know doing individual issues or story arcs that focus on different characters aside from Rose as as we go into this so you you see why people act the way they they do and 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 who they are and and I think that is what makes it so exciting doing something like this because there's so much potential that even when Rose's story is done there'll be another story waiting to be told and, and it's 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 very fluid that way right but no there's no time frame it's just <laughs> time at this point it's writing itself they just tell me what needs to happen and I put it on the page it's it's really cool when listening to you talk about the about Rose and, and writing it you can definitely tell the passion oh yeah that you definitely. feel for it coming out and, and things like that so it, it'll definitely I'm sure come out on the page as well so definitely looking forward to it tell everybody to just pick it up and read it you will love it I, 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 I make all my friends read it I make my sister read it people who don't like comics read it and they're like oh my gosh where's the next issue and my parents read it and they're like now what happens so it's it's one of those and Dave likes it like it just really is a story that if you just enjoy a good story you'll enjoy this book well it definitely sounds like my type of story so yeah I think it's kind of a genre that's kind of under, underrepresented in comics I think yeah the fantasy type yeah. genre so yeah I think it is. I, I've seen at comic conventions the occasional like self-published fantasy book, but you're always limited because it's it's usually something where the artist is working for free, and it's it's. I'm very fortunate to have an artist that. I'm able to, to pay a page rate, and and because of that, I've got such a high caliber artist that it, it really adds to the book, and it means also that it's not he's not having to do another job in order to be able to work on while well, he's working on this book. He's just this is his job. He's working on this book, so I do think it's an underrepresented genre, and I think it's one of those things where if a guy's at the comic book shop, you can buy it. He can buy it for himself, and he can hand it off to his girlfriend and say, hey. I know you don't like comics, but you might like this. So because it's not a it's it's much more like a visual fantasy story. I, I feel like it's 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 coming in a comic form, but I feel like it's to say to call it a comic is is not to do justice to to what's what's being done from a, an artistic standpoint on the page. I'm not sure if it's because it's the the genre lends itself more to novelization or what, because that's my favorite types of novels are the fantasy and and things oh, yeah, like mine that. Too. Um, yep. Dragonlance. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Jim Butcher, um, Jordan, all those guys, and you don't really see them. And 
I don't know why it doesn't translate into comics or people haven't tried to bring it into comics that much. It was always a, f- a factor for me. I would look and see how many books were in a series. And if there was only one or two, it was not the series for me because I wanted to get in. And and you, you get to know the characters and you want to take that journey. And that's why I loved, like, I loved George R. R. Martin, although I wish he'd finish his books. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love Robert Jordan and I wish he hadn't died. Oh, yeah. But I mean, like, I love the, the way that those writers can just craft a world and draw you in and, and envelop you into something that it's like a movie it, it's why we love lord of the rings and, and like it just it's, it's something special definitely yeah so what, what brought you and got you into the fantasy genre was it uh, like tolkien or or is that was that your gateway or was it something else it was my grandmother interestingly enough she was always buying me books and every time she started me with c.s lewis so i guess that's like my first foray in, into sort of the idea of of fantasy um and then whenever I'd go over to her house, she had a little library of books beside her bed. And I think I started with either David Eddings, The Balgariad, or Anne McCaffrey's Dragon Riders of Pern. But it was either The Balgariad first, and it wasn't finished yet, so then I flipped The Dragon Riders of Pern. But those were my first two sort of forays into into fantasy fiction. And then I just kind of went from there. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, I love this. This is so cool. And <laughs> and, and I, was, I was always a little bit of a loner. And I always loved to read, and, and that, and I was a fast reader. So having lots of books to read, it was perfect. It sort of hit everything I needed. That it could occupy me for a long time, and and it had like these great characters. And I, I, I don't know. I can't. I can't say enough about fantasy fiction. I'll talk all night. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Oh yeah. Yeah. With Rose. Was it something that you only pitched to Image, or was it pitched to other publishers before Image agreed to to take on the project? Shoot for the stars. You never know what will happen. So I I, I definitely pitched Image first. They were my first pitch. I'm like, well, let's – I mean, this would be my ideal, would be to have Image publish this. And Dave's like, you know, we'll see what happens. And if Image doesn't want it, there's always Boom or Dynamite. Like, there's all kinds of other studios. But, you know, let's – see what happens throw it out there and and see what happens um i think it helped that it was something that um nobody's really doing like it's it it sort of fits into the fact that image is it's not taking over any other book that they're doing nobody else is really doing a fantasy genre i think it helps that i had an established artist coming onto the book so it, it had a there was a level of quality that was sort of assured that was going to be there um yeah i was i feel incredibly blessed an image could not have been throughout this whole process I have to say I I feel like I've been incredibly blessed I've been blessed with my artist with my colorist with my publisher images thrown uh, gone above and beyond in terms of the amount of promotion and support that I could ask for. So I really do feel like um, this has been a dream project for me all around. And and I, I couldn't ask for more. I couldn't ask for more support. And I just, I'm very, very thankful every day for this experience. That's awesome. Not sure if you're a fan of uh, Jim Butcher or not, but uh, he released a uh, 
a steampunk book called uh, The Aeronauts Windlass, and there's uh, some great cat characters in there. I know oh, if you like to, those type of characters. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, they're uh, very snarky and uh, definitely uh, loner types, <laughs> thinking that humans are idiots. But <laughs> well, cats, I'm pretty sure we are. So yes, yeah. <laughs> Feed me and leave me alone. Right. I'm sure that's what my cats think of me, but. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced one of one of them's trying to kill me, but <laughs> so so he can be alone with my wife. Oh jeez, that's possible. Get get the big guy out of the way. <laughs> that's Newman for you. Yes, you'll know if he starts sleeping on your face. Yes, <laughs> I'll just every once in a while I'll turn around and I'll see him just staring at me some off in the corner or something. I'm like, what are you thinking? <laughs> It, it's safer not knowing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Probably, yeah. So outside of Rose, what what other projects do you have coming up? Really? Rose is it for me right now. I, I've i always said that two would be the most number of comics I could write a month, but it's really challenging for me to do that. One comic a month fits really nicely into my wheelhouse. And the one thing about self-publishing or publishing through image is that I sort of take on the editorial role. So it's like two jobs in one. So I'm uh, jobs that I didn't know editors were doing. I'm having to do like production or, or at least work out having somebody doing the production and, and going over the pages. And, and we do have, we still have kids at home and somebody has to do the groceries and clean the house and make the meals and ferry people from point A to point B. Um, and Dave, like we talked about before, um, his job takes a considerable amount of time. So for us to have a, a balanced family life where the kids are getting the time that they need and we're getting the time that we need, um, it works better if I if I do one book a month. Two is kind of, I, I go into crazy mode. I did it with Wonder Woman Little Mermaid for a bit. It was very tough switching back and forth. And then I wasn't having, at that point, I wasn't having to do, make sure that the pages were coming in on time and the colors were coming in on time and making sure that things on the page were, you know what I mean? So right. it, uh, so on that note, no, then would you say, uh, is it more stressful or pressure to do Rose or to do a book like Wonder Woman or Little Mermaid or definitely there's more logistics involved in doing a project like Rose. I can say there's less pressure right now because I mean, who knows how people are going to receive it. By the time it comes out in April, we'll already have the first six issues done and I'll be moving, like, I'll probably be well into the next story arc. Um, And I don't have anybody to follow. I don't have a character that is iconic and people perceive to be a certain way that I can step on toes. Do you know what I mean? Like, Wonder Woman, I I always, as much as I love Wonder Woman, and I, I think she's such a great character... She's a very political character, and there's always the the, the worry. And, and I tried to be as authentic as I could in sort of how I perceived her to be. And, and I think as you read that, you get that with our run. But there's always that you're never making everybody happy. You can't right. make everybody happy right. when you're writing a character yeah. like that. Because some people expect her to be this, and then other people expect her to be this. And there have been so many great writers on the character that they're, they're, it's, they're big shoes to fill. 
Right. So, from, a, from an emotional stress point of view, um, Wonder Woman was probably certainly the, the first six issues of Wonder Woman were, were much more stressful than the first six issues of Rose have been. And coming on to Wonder Woman 2, I was a fairly new writer. I hadn't had the experience of, of doing an arc before. I was still working on Little Mermaid, and that was just starting that. So it was it was a new idea, a new concept of doing story arcs, um, writing multiple characters and writing such big, iconic characters. So it was, uh, there's definitely a few more gray hairs up here. <laughs> At the end of that, right now, I'm just like, oh, I just love everything about Rose. Everybody hates <laughs> Rose. Everything's great with Rose. Talk to me in six months and we'll see where we're at. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I had uh, when I met you at uh, Motor City. I I thanked you for bringing back uh, Donna Troy, and uh, you said that that was kind of a stressful thing because people had a lot of lot of opinions about that too. So I yeah. I know that oh. that went into it as well. <laughs> I can yeah, imagine. I, I do love that character. I love my version of that character. Yeah, I just thought she had so much angst to her, and and I I felt like the one thing we really did was give her an emotional arc that I think she needed. She she didn't need to just be sort of the cute younger version of Wonder Woman and I felt like it gave her a much more defined arc. Now, there are plenty of people online who will disagree with me about that, but I... <laughs> I and they will do so both, but I stand by yeah. what I say. I liked it, and um, I think she was so mistreated for so long. I was just glad to see something definitive come out and I think they're still following along with that it's crossed over to the end of the new end of the rebirth as well so yeah I, that's I, I'm glad it's sticking yeah yeah nobody likes perfect no no and Titans being one of my favorite comics too it was good to good to see her brought back because I thought that she was sorely missing from uh, the new 52 yeah. uh, run I think um I think I'm about questioned out <laughs> Anybody? It's good. To, it's good to um, get the behind the scenes because as a fan, you just see okay, comic comes out, you read it, and yeah. you don't you don't really stop to think of what the the lives of the writers and the artists, what they're going through, and and things like that. I think kind of with what we do, we like read read internet, the blogs, and things like that, so we like see the complaints, but we don't actually see like the real life behind the scenes stuff. So that was kind of cool well, to, get I, to be able to see. I think a lot of people don't because of not understanding the industry or understanding entertainment in general. Um, don't understand what all is involved. So when when a book falls behind a couple weeks or or falls behind a month, uh, there is a lot of great criticism about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I I know I was critical, uh, like I said earlier, C three PO, but you know that was what four or five months later. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I I think even Marvel themselves was going, okay, when's this book coming? <laughs> Yeah, I think if people could just remember that um, artists are putting their heart and soul onto every page, or certainly I know that's happening at my house, and I can clearly see that's happening in rows. And and it would be nice if people were more. You may not always agree with every decision or or every artistic choice, but it's important to understand that the amount of time and effort that an artist, more than anybody else, an artist puts into a comic book. I can write a comic book in two weeks 
weeks working a couple of hours a day. Dave works 12 hours a day, 20 plus days a month to draw a comic. I mean, it's just, and there's no comparison. And so, you know, it's important for people to understand that, that when they're very, when you're quick to criticize, I think you're undervaluing the effort and the time and the energy and the emotion that that goes into crafting the story and and putting it on a page visually for you to enjoy. I think that's the uh, downside of the uh, social media world. That oh, everybody, yeah. unfortunately, everybody has a voice, and yeah. you're uh, darn sure going to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whether they want to or not. <laughs> but I There's guess that's... Dave doesn't have a Twitter account, and yes. I think there are a lot of artists that don't for that reason as well. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> I'll turn but mine I... off when Rose comes out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me I don't want to hear it. Right. Just make sure you have the uh, block button. Uh, that's up. right. Only only good news, sunshine, and rainbows coming this way. Right. <laughs> exactly. I definitely yeah. have to have a, a thick skin to be in the uh, business that you're in. Yeah. So with everything you have going on now, do you have time to actually read any comics? Um, you mean do I get to the comic book store? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or... I read dig. I do read some digitally online. I um, but I am woefully behind because I'm doing income taxes right now. Ah, yes. Wow. Good old tax season. So after Christmas, come you know, you know comes income tax. Yeah, and, those in Canada. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we pay more taxes over here. That's yes. for healthcare. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so yes. I'm I'm very far behind. I'm reading Batman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess That's good. I guess you would kind of have to, sure. Yeah, that one goes to the house for me. I don't have to go out to get that one. And I have a subscription to Batgirl, but again, I'm behind. <laughs> you keep telling me it's available. Now, having worked on Wonder Woman, what are your thoughts of the upcoming Wonder Woman movie? Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. I cannot wait to see it. My kids are super excited about it. I, I think it looks incredible. I think Gal Gadot looks incredible. Like, I thought she was incredible in the Batman Superman movie. She stole the show in that movie. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I, I, I know that pe- some people might say that DC struggled with some of their, their movies. I think that this one's going to, they're going to knock it out of the park. I just, I hope so. They need it. <laughs> I like everything I've seen about it so far. Yeah, so I think it's going to yeah. be incredible. And, and, and I think it should, in some ways, I feel like it should be incredible. I mean, I'm not one to say we need to have equality in terms of like feminine for every male superhero that has to be a female superhero movie put out. But I do like the fact that the first female superhero is the most iconic female superhero. And I do think it opens the door to telling more fun stories. And, it, and it's funny, it's coming from DC, which I think is kind of lacking in in that department with, with female yeah. lead characters that are, I think they're kind of woefully behind what Marvel's doing at this point so it's cool that at least they're getting it right in the, the movie department that's right <laughs> as long as they do get it right they yes <laughs> i jeff johns is in charge of it yeah yeah that's true and he is nothing if not incredibly passionate about the characters yeah in comics like he I, I think if you cut him he would bleed word balloons like 
he just he's he he just loves DC everything DC everything comics. So well, that's why I felt uh, a sense of relief when I when it was announced that he was going to start working on the movies. Yeah, yeah, they put him in charge for a reason. Yeah, yeah. and I think now, it was a good decision on their part. As a Wonder Woman creator, uh, does it bother you that they they took her origin story back a little further and based her out of World War One instead of World War Two? No, I think we have to be we have to be open to allowing people to tell their own story in the way that they want to tell it. If you want to read the Wonder Woman comic book, then you should definitely read the Wonder Woman comic book. But at the end of the day, this is about exposing Wonder Woman to not just comic book fans, but to superhero fans. And I think we can all acknowledge that the number of people going to a superhero movie is different from the number of people reading a, a comic book. And, and I think that they're really focused on just telling the right story. And it, it doesn't bother me. I, I'm not one of those people who is married to um, to her roots in the sense of being needing to be true to the timeline as long as we're true to the essence of the character. I mean, they still have Steve Trevor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They got the important pieces. They got her mom. They got Steve Trevor. They got Themyscira. Yeah. I still want to know how he survives from World War One into the present. I, I don't know if it's something that happened Maybe. there or not. Maybe. <laughs> You'll yes. have to wait and see. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unlike Mexico in Themyscira, you want to drink the water. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of um, up in the air with what's going on with uh, the current Wonder Woman storyline going kind of back and forth and out bi-weekly, I think. I, yeah, I, each doing their own arc. Right. It comes out every other time. Yeah, yeah, it's just really, really confusing, and I think it's uh, kind of a money grab because I know they they lowered their price to two ninety nine a, a comic, but yet they're coming out twice a month, so you're actually paying six bucks a month for the comic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I'm behind in my comics. Yeah. I know Nicola and Liam are doing like the artwork I've seen on the book is beautiful, mm-hmm. and it's Greg Rucka, yeah. um, who's who's great. But it it's a ch- and that's one of the challenges with that double shipping that you if you can't and you either want to have your artist be consistent through the story if you want that then there's only like you have to either get really ahead um like dave had the opportunity to do coming on to batman Mm -hmm. and you have to have an artist who's really fast who can do like a book a month and and they might not be able to do that so that seems tough seems like it would be a nightmare for the creative team to have to do like two books a month? Oh my gosh, I wouldn't, you couldn't pay me enough money to write, to to have to do what they're doing in DC right now. Yeah. From a writer point of view, having to like write so quickly and think so far ahead and so many story arcs. Like, well, well, Tom is turning in scripts for Dave. He's having at the same time to think, you know, six issues ahead or, or 12 issues ahead and turn in scripts for other people. And, and it's not how my brain works. Uh-huh. So kudos the, to, to them if they can do it. I know I couldn't. Yeah, it sounds maddening. <laughs> So being married to an artist and working with David, does it change the way that you write and how you um, write with uh, Rose with uh, communicating with Egg and uh, as far as seeing what you want to see on the page and things like that? It it definitely does. Um, I'm much more likely to not do uh, like I hear. Okay, first of all, I hear Dave bitching all the time about stuff he doesn't like to draw. So that's always (laughs) that's always in my head. I try not to give boardroom scenes, which is not a problem in Rose. Um, but I also do think that, 
you need to always give your artist, and, and I think I get this living with Dave, room to, to open up on a page. So if you're constantly boxing him in with like nine panel pages and seven panel pages and even five panel pages, they never get the opportunity to really open up and express themselves and do something cool, which is why I try to make sure I always have a splash and, and a double page spread in the book. Um, they don't always have double page spreads. I think sometimes I've just done two splashes. Um, but I always want to have at the very minimum a splash where you get that big moment as a reader. But also I've given the artist the opportunity to have that big moment to tell something really powerful in a shot. Um, and it gives them room to breathe. And I think it gives the art room to breathe. So it does affect definitely um, how I how I write. And I the more comfortable I got with Ig and it, and it happened really quickly the more uh, I just write to him right in the script like Ig I know you're going to make this look awesome I'm going to cry when I see this or you can do this I've written it this way but if you feel like there's a better way to, t- to do this do that and that's the other thing I think that I've got from, from David is feeling comfortable in, in the artist when you're working with a really great artist to let them have the freedom to change up the storytelling mm-hmm. if they need to because they're the visual storyteller. Like they're the one that has to make that picture work across the page and tell the story visually. I can imagine it in my head, but oftentimes in your head, you imagine a movie. And a lot of times, and I've seen this a lot of times with scripts that Dave's gotten, that it's written, a panel is written like a movement, but you can't make movement happen in a panel. Movement either has to happen sort of between the panels. Every panel is is static. And so I think that it it really helps for me to have Dave and he always reads stuff through and I always try to be very careful, although I am guilty of it sometimes too, of of giving static poses, like static shots that, that he can tell, but then having movement flow through the through the page. So I imagine she's helped you with uh, learning how to do pacing of the story and everything and <clears throat> Yes and no. I think, you know, one of the things that, that even working with Wonder Woman, um I think I've always had a natural sense of pacing and that isn't one of the things that when, you know, when he criticizes me or, or, or suggests a change, it usually isn't a pacing change. It might be like, Hey, you could make this shot cooler if you did this. Um, or in little mermaid, if I was talking like, I want to do this, but I'm not sure how to describe it. He might do like a quick thumbnail for me and say, Oh, you could do it this way. But I do feel like my pacing, it's one of the things that, uh, that I do. I sort of just naturally got coming into comics, maybe because I'd read enough or seen his work enough, but I'm going to give myself credit for that one. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet? Well, you can find me multiple places. I've, I've just got an Instagram account, which is Finch Meredith one. My Twitter is at Finch Meredith one. Like, I guess there's another Finch Meredith out there. It's not me. I had to be number one, which is, you know, I'm okay being number one. Um, And then I also have a Facebook page, Meredith Finch, and Dave posts stuff on his uh, David Finch Facebook page. Um, Yeah. And then if you really need to email me, Dave's got, we've got a website, www.dfinchartist.com. And there's a contact there as well. 
And the Facebook uh, page is cool because they get to see your promotional video, so you get to see yeah. the, the art and oh, yeah. check that. Explain the story. It's very cool. But was it tough to watching the video? It looks like like I was I, I, I would be like if I was doing one of these kind of videos. <laughs> like I don't want to do this video, but I have to. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so. It's like you got to sit here, and, and yeah, I got to do this, and 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 it was so. I can't tell you how many takes. It took me to do that video. I'd start and I'd be like, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. And then I'd, I'm like, can I hold this piece of paper? Where I, and he's like, you can't hold a piece of paper. You just got to talk. So, yeah, it was, it took a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of editing. I'm pretty sure that wasn't just one seamless take. There's a reason I'm not in every shot. Yeah. Then he just had to match the sound. Mm-hmm. And that's where I learned where uh, you were Canadian first, because I didn't realize that until I heard you talking on the, the, oh. on the video. And I was like, oh, I recognize that accent. Uh, our Canadian coming out in me. I'm yep. originally from, like, eastern Ontario, so I think it gets even worse. It, mm. It's more noticeable than sort of people who have grown up in Windsor who have that little bit of a Detroit overlap happening. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything, but I definitely noticed. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Of course. Hey, yeah. there, there it is. Of course, I, I, got a ba- I have a Boston accent, so, you know, yeah. I can't say anything. There you go. For, for me, it, it sounds natural because I, I work at the Canadian Pavilion at Epcot. Oh, yeah. So I hear everything. From yeah. Quebec to Alberta to British Columbia. Plus, you're in Florida, which I think 50% of the Florida population during the winter months are Canadian anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. My uh, parents are in a retirement uh, park, a trailer uh, park down there, and like it's half filled with Quebecians coming down yeah. from, from Canada. Yeah. There? Yeah, it's true. Yep. Pretty sure my parents are there right now as well. <laughs> well, also, I have some Canadian blood in me, so. Oh, uh, do you? Yeah, my great-grandparents are from Canada. Oh, see? Yeah. You just come up here for the health care anytime you want. <laughs> yes, sure. And the, and the good beer. That's right. And the maple syrup. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, Sold. That was a big joke. Yeah. And the Swedish fish. That's <laughs> it. They're, they're Canadian made now. Are they? Uh, they are. All good things come that, from Canada. There's that, a commercial I, that's like, good things grow in Ontario. Now, now you got me singing on this thing. So <laughs> good things grow in Canada. Sorry. The, uh, Meredith Finch. Are you the um, stereotypical Canadian, uh, like your hockey and, and things like that, or, or not so much? No. I mean, okay. no, I feel embarrassed to say it. Like, I love the Toronto Maple Leafs, but my kids don't play hockey. I'm, Isn't that against the law? I, yeah. they well, okay, one did play hockey, but now he does competitive gymnastics. And the other one, he power skates, but team sports aren't his thing. Gotcha. <laughs> well, at least he's on skates. That's right. He can skate. That's all he needs to be able to do is not embarrass himself on the ice rink. <laughs> Or with a hockey stick. Right. There you go. Well, uh, thanks very much for uh, being on. It's been uh, it's been a great time. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I was excited. This is like my first video chat about Rose and getting stuff out there. So, <laughs> so we're number one, too. <laughs> You're number one. <laughs> Bye, Rose. Yes. It sounds like it's, it's going to be great. Can't I wait. can't wait till it comes out. Yeah. And I'm doing my job. Yes. Yes. We'll definitely uh, be uh, pumping it. And once again, that's 
April 12th? Yes. Yep. All right. Awesome. And because I don't know how to schedule stuff, the second issue comes out three weeks later. (laughs) There's that logistics thing we talked about. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's on the good side of logistics. (laughs) (laughs) Works out for you guys. Yes. (laughs) For For the fans. That's right. Well, we thank you for coming on. Thanks so much, guys. It was a pleasure. Oh, for us, too. And uh, I I guess we'll just ask that one last question. Want to know more? So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a... Science Fiction Club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production.